And then there's, it's called Skyride. It's basically like an elevated bike that goes uh, around, uh, you know, completes the circuit of the ship and you can look over. You're kind of on, it's like, it's a pedal bike on an elevated track. Oh, that's fun. Are you strapped in, I, I suppose? Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, it might explain some of the news articles you're seeing. Right. <laughs> hey, everybody. Before we dive into tonight's episode, we had some listener questions come in on the voicemail line. And so when that happens, I always love to remind folks that we have a voicemail line and that if you want to call in and leave us a question or a comment, we will listen to your voicemail and uh, keep the family friendly, but we'll listen to it and we may include it in the show and respond on the air. So if you want to reach us there, our voicemail line is 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. With that, let's dive into tonight's listener questions. Hey, this is Lisa Ulmer. I'm calling from Springfield, Missouri. And first of all, I just want to say thank you for your podcast. I love listening to it. My family and I are going on our first Disney cruise this September on the Wonder to Alaska, and we cannot wait. Um, I listen to the podcast to get hyped up with planning and tips, and I'm just so excited for our vacation. Um, I can't wait, and um, it's going to be really fun. So thanks for your podcast. Thanks for all the helpful information. Um, and secondly, I was curious because I love to plan when we go to Disney World or uh, Disneyland and get all of our um, Plus and all our dining reservations and everything kind of mapped out for our trip. And I don't feel like I could do that with a cruise. So my question is, would you ever consider doing an episode kind of about how to like maximize the planning process around taking a cruise besides booking Paulo brunch or dinner? Are there other things that I really need to book when that window opens? Um, or is a lot of it just on the ship once we get on there and deciding what we want to do? So just a question as a first-time Disney cruiser that I'd love your opinion on. So, okay, thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Well, Lisa, thanks for the question and for reaching out. Love getting these listener questions in. I, I just want to take a moment to say one of the best things about taking a Disney cruise is you don't have to do a bunch of complicated planning like you do at the parks. Now, that said, you really have two primary windows that you need to pay attention to from a planning standpoint. The first is your activity booking window, which for a first-time cruiser will open up at 75 days in advance of your sailing. From there, it's tiered by Castaway Club status and some other things. But since you're a first-time cruiser... 75 days is when you can go on. And at that window, you can book excursions, spa appointments, and some other things. Sam will, will go through here in a second. The second window is at 30 days when you can book the Royal Gathering and you'll do your online check-in. Although the online check-in doesn't have a ton of planning wrapped into it, but the earlier you're on, you'll be able to get early port arrival times and such. But that's also when you can get this Royal Gathering. If you want to learn more about that, you can certainly check that out or Sam might give you some more details here in one second. So that's really your two options opportunities to book things in advance. There's some onboard amenity purchasing you can do ahead of time, buying photo packages and that kind of stuff if you're interested. If your question's aimed at how do I slot all these things together and get to do all the activities on board, unfortunately, they don't publish out the full schedule of activities for the cruise before you sail. Now, that said, you're guaranteed to have character meet and greets throughout the day, trivia, other kinds of family-oriented or adult-oriented activities. And so once you get on board, you'll be able to see those. And as you're sitting in the terminal, you can kind of pick things that interest you and build out a schedule. As you think about planning dinners and stuff on board, you can also usually suss out through the Facebook group and other resources 
services that are out there, like when your pirate night might be, if that's something you really want to do, or you just decide you want to avoid and put an adult dinner on that evening. So most of this stuff happens on board, but Sam has a few tips for you for some things you might want to consider booking in advance. So Lisa, you mentioned adult dining, but adult dining is not the only thing that is bookable at that 75-day window for first-time cruisers. You can also book adult beverage tastings. You can book shore excursions. You can book the royalty on the first four ships or, or, or Olaf's Royal Picnic on the Wish. And you can also book spa appointments. And as Brian said, 30 days, you can book the Royal Gathering. The Royal Gathering is just a princess um, picture meet and greet opportunity. The royalty or Olaf's Royal Picnic is more of a character dining experience, but a afternoon tea. So those are things you can book. But the nice thing is you don't have to book anything. Um, it's different than a Disney parks trip, as we as we mentioned. And as Brian mentioned, everything will be scheduled in the app. And so you'll be able to see it and favorite things once you are in the port terminal. Hope that's helpful. And I uh, hope you have an amazing first time sailing on Disney Cruise Line. Let us know how it goes. All right. We got one more listener voicemail here, Sam, to answer. Let's head over to that one. Hi there. I'm a brand new listener. Found your podcast during a quick search for Disney Cruise Line podcast. As I just booked my first ever cruise of any kind on the Disney Wish for September of 2024. I am brand new to this. I am working with a travel advisor, but my big question is in regards to checking, I know that you have to be up at midnight in order to start checking in. As far as the pictures, that you have to upload. What are the best kind of pictures to upload to the Disney Cruise Line website? I know that it can't be a passport photo, but that's my big question. What is the standard or what are some tips, tricks, and guides for taking the Cruise Line photos you have to upload? Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. All right. Well, first off, I'm sorry we didn't catch your name. Your audio recording cut out or your voicemail cut out at several points. So I hope we captured the essence of your voicemail. We appreciate you leaving it. Uh, if you want to reach out and let us know who you were, we would love to hear from you. But as to your question about photos, so I'm going to take this one because I do our online check-in for our family. There are actually a couple of kinds of photos that you need to submit. The first is you're going to need to upload a photo of whatever documents you intend to use for travel. So your passport or, you know, enhanced driver's license, those sorts of things. The check-in process will give you a list of those. And what you want to have at the ready is a photo of your passport pages for everyone in your party. So the front page with your with your picture and all the numbers and details on it. I usually just take a quick photo with my phone and then crop it down. So it's just that sort of front page of the passport book. And I save that in an album as a favorite so that I can find it easily later. The second kind of photo you have to upload is a security photo, which in and of itself is just a selfie. Um, And I should say I use my cell phone for all of these, uh, but it's a selfie. And what they ask you to do is kind of make it almost like a passport photo. They just want you in the shot, uh, you know, shoulders and, you know, head. Uh, They don't want a bunch of other people in the background. So don't submit a selfie that you took with a bunch of other people. They prefer it to be sort of devoid of objects in the background as well. And that's because they're going to apply, they apply scanning to it to make sure that the photo meets their requirements for the onboard security photo. This is just the photo that's going to pop up anytime you tap your key to the world card so they can connect you back to that card and know that you are the person 
getting on or off the ship. Hope that helps. Have an amazing sailing, an amazing first time cruising and uh, reach back out if you want to talk at all about it. We'd love to uh, hear how it went. All right. With that, we've got a great bonus episode teed up for you here. And so let's head over there and give it a listen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, it's fun ship time. Fun ship time? What does that mean? I used to call Carnival Cruise Lines. It was the Carnival Fun Ships, I think. I think I got that right. But Oh, I, I, I had no idea of that no, moniker. Yeah, let's ask our guest, Jonathan, who is joining us, a many-time repeat guest. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on yet again. I, no. I appreciate it so much. We love having you on. Uh, you've become obviously a friend of ours through the the show, and we've talked to you about many different Disney cruises. We've talked to you about Aulani. We've even talked to you once before about Carnival, but mm-hmm. we've not talked to you about Carnival Panorama. So this is an exciting show topic today. We're going to do a compare and contrast Carnival Panorama with Disney Cruise Line, of course. Yes. And I do believe it was they were called the fun ships at one point. And now they've got Shaq as their like mascot and all kinds of bizarre phrases that they're trying to do with uh, with Shaq. So you can't say um, mascot for a person. Brian. <laughs> I don't know. I think they treat Shaquille O'Neal like a mascot. <laughs> so, I don't think you're wrong about that, Brian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I believe his official title is chief fun officer, if I recall correctly. Oh, is that, that's I need that like. title at my job. Uh, can I be president of fun? and he can be the chief fun (laughs) officer. Well, Jonathan, before we dive into your amazing Carnival cruise, why don't you remind folks about your cruising creds and your Disney Cruise Line creds too? Sure. So with this cruise, that was our 13th total cruise, 10 with DCL, and this was our third with Carnival. Nice. Wow. So you're really, at this point, I think, committed to two ships now or two two lines now, uh, now that you've cruised three times in Carnival, unless this changed something, of course, and we'll ask you that question at the end. But yeah, I mean, you've you've sailed now. Uh, 10 is a lot. You're platinum. Welcome to platinum. <laughs> <laughs> next time I mean, cruise, I guess. Right? Yeah, next time. Well, no. Well, yeah, I guess that would be our first cruise is platinum. Yeah. And yeah. then you're fast approaching Pearl if you're not there already, right? We're not there yet. Not there yet. Not you're there. <laughs> we, we did book another cruise on our last cruise. And so we will now be Pearl this year if everything goes according to plan. So yes. yeah, we, we planned on 2024, but now it's looking like it might be 2023. But I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything. So I'm still going to say 2024 is when we're going to hit Pearl. But we'll we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. Yes, we shall see. All right. Well, let's talk about Carnival Cruise Line. You have a bit of a reputation in the cruising community. Uh, some people think that they are booze cruises, but... But we, of course, know I think it very much depends on the sailing that you're on, the experience that you get with Carnival. And Jonathan, you were on a bit of a unique sailing for us. Uh, you were sailing out of the port of Long Beach on a seven-night Mexican Riviera cruise aboard the Carnival Panorama, which I would expect would not be the booze cruise crowd given the length of the cruise. But let me start by asking the Panorama, uh, where does that fall in the list of Carnival ships in terms of size and amenities and age? So I believe the total guest capacity is about 4600 45 4600 so it's a it's a medium sized ship around the same size as uh Disney Dream or Disney Fantasy or the Wish or the Wish correct yeah yeah all right D- do you remember how old the ship is or is it is it is it an aging ship or is it a newer ship so that's a little murky because i believe the Carnival Panorama used to be a different ship but she was 
basically dry, you know, in, in dry dock, she was gutted so much that they rechristened her as Carnival Panorama. So I believe that the rechristening year is 2021, 2022, maybe. Let me back up a step and ask, you've booked Disney cruises, you've booked Carnival cruises. What's your impression of the the booking process? I mean, one big difference I would suspect is Carnival probably has cruises available out past 2024 at this point, and Disney's still struggling to get us the winter itineraries. But, <laughs> but uh, what's the booking process like for, for Carnival? So the one thing about the booking process that I noticed that might turn some guests off, and, and this is probably more in line with other cruise lines like Royal and, and Princess, where Disney, when they give you a price, it's the total price for however many guests, inclusive of taxes and fees. When Carnival, you know, you have to go all the way through the checkout process to know what the taxes and fees and port expenses are going to be. And that's on top of the advertised rate. So if it says average $9.90 per person, well, then you're going to add approximately the $250 in taxes and fees on top of that. So really, it's, you know, it's closer to $1,300. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that they advertise their pricing different uh, than Disney does. I, I didn't realize Disney was an outlier in, in that case. Obviously, we know and, you know, full disclosure to whoever's listening, if you don't know this, that Carnival is going to be a less expensive cruise than a Disney cruise of comparable length and comparable itinerary. But of course, one of the things we always like to find out is what are sort of the hidden costs. So these are the kinds of things that Jonathan is, is helping highlight for us because there is going to be that price disparity even after you, I think, include all of the add-ins and things like that on Carnival versus Disney Cruise Line. But it's helpful to know when you're budgeting your cruise, right, what you're going to have to, what, what's going to come out of your pocket in the right. end, both before you sail and then and, and while you're sailing. Why did you pick this itinerary in particular? Why Carnival? What were the sort of the factors that went into deciding this cruise? So to try to summarize this story. This was actually a very first Carnival cruise that we booked. It was supposed to be on uh, the Mardi Gras, which in was supposed to be around, you know, I think that was supposed to sail in 2020 initially, but <laughs> of course the pandemic uh, pushed that aside. So we ended up pushing this cruise back initially to 2022 uh, to the same itinerary on the panorama. Plans changed and we moved it to 2023. But we had decided to go on this cruise because we had not cruised out of California off of the West Coast and wanted to do something a little different than, you know, your your typical Western Caribbean. We wanted to see, you know, the, the Riviera side of Mexico. So and it seemed like a fun a fun itinerary. And we uh <laughs> being that the cruise sailed out of Long Beach, we could add on a couple days of Disneyland if we wanted yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask that very question. Uh knowing you, Jonathan, as, as we do, and actually knowing that we were supposed to see you at Disneyland. <laughs> Right. Um, I think it's right after you cruised on this sailing. We ended up uh, canceling our trip because I was under the weather. But yeah, uh, how many days did you plan to go to Disneyland? And did you end up going to Disneyland? <laughs> I, I think initially we wanted to do three or four days, but just with vacation availability and such, we had to cut it to two days. Essentially, was an overnight stay at uh, at Grand Cal. And we went to DCA uh, the first day and then Disneyland the second day that we were there. Now, since this isn't a Disney Parks themed show, we won't belabor the park talk too much. Except I want to ask, Jonathan, how did you get from Disneyland to the Port of Long Beach? And what was that port like? So we actually did our stay at Disneyland after 
the cruise. So our travel plan, we, we flew in on March 3rd, the day before the cruise. We flew into LAX and we stayed at a hotel right on the main drag. Uh, was it, uh, is it Century Boulevard that LAX is on? Seems right. So we stayed at one of the hotels right along there. And then the next morning, we uh, got on the hotel shuttle back to the airport, picked up Carnival Transportation from LAX, and they took us to the Port of Long Beach. Oh, very smart. Yeah, it was it was convenient. <laughs> it worked out. And then, so the, the, the Port at Long Beach, it's a domed building. It's a, a very high ceiling domed building, kind of in the style of spaceship earth you know it's it's got the geometric shapes on it but it's a, it's a huge terminal building the boarding process was definitely not as smooth as disney um <laughs> for sure i mean even sailing disney out of other ports was not nearly as as much of a, a hassle as this was there were we had to wait in multiple lines then they kind of once we had presented all of our documentation and got checked into the ship we just kind of sat in this terminal building for over an hour and until they started even boarding the first group of people. I think it took us probably a total of two and a half hours from the arrival at the port to get on the ship. So it's a bit of a drawn out process. Wow. We should back up for a second because one thing we missed is the pre-cruise activity booking process at Disney. That's a very regimented process. But I'm curious for Carnival, what's it like trying to book your pre-cruise activities? And do they have anything approaching the port arrival time that everyone has to get for a Disney cruise? The the activity booking process for Carnival is pretty simple. I mean, I never really ran into any major issues because you can start booking activities essentially as soon as you're uh, you've booked your cruise and made your deposit. There, you know, you don't have to wait until pay in full to book activities. And the way that Carnival kind of gets around that, so you know, instead of whenever you book a an excursion, if you book a, a dinner or anything like that pre cruise, you actually pay for it up front. It doesn't get uh, reserved and then added to your stateroom folio once you're on board. And then what does it mean if you end up canceling or moving your cruise? Do they refund those things back to you or are you, are you out of luck? <laughs> no, they would refund those back to you on the original form of payment. So if you use a Carnival gift card, they would, instead of crediting back the gift card like Disney tends to do, they send you a new gift card. If you pay on a credit card or you know with, uh, with your bank card, then of course it would get credited back to that original payment method. Gotcha. And do they have any, what I'll call skip the line add-ons that you can purchase pre-cruise? So the example I'll give is going on a Royal Cruise. Caribbean cruise next month. And there was something I could pre-purchase called the key that gave me something equivalent to first aboard kind of access or like what concierge would be on Disney Cruise Line where you board first ahead of everybody else. Do they do anything like that on Carnival? They do. It's called Faster to the Fun and it includes priority boarding uh, at the cruise terminal, faster check-in. It includes priority water shuttle access if you're at a tender port and Mm. priority debarkation on port days. There's some other perks that I can't think of. I can't think of all of them, but that does exist. Yeah. And I think they get to board right around They're maybe the third or fourth group that's called people with status and people in suites, of course, get their first aboard the ship. What other kinds of things do you book pre-cruise on Carnival? I mean, that you wouldn't be booking on Disney. Like I'm thinking about drink packages mm-hmm. or restaurant add-ons, those sorts of things. Correct. So you can book your drink packages and with Carnival, they have two different options. They have the bottomless bubbles, which is your canned soda products. Uh, They have no soda fountains on board the ship at all. Everything is served in cans. What? Right? That's terrible. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. I I think it's a... Fountain soda always beats canned soda. 
Yeah, I've always questioned that myself. And <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. And that's a lot of aluminum waste, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the other option is their Cheers package, which is their premium beverage package, which includes up to 15 alcoholic drinks per day, uh, up to $20 in value. So you can get, I think, and this this carnival, I think, is an outlier as well with that, because there are some cruise lines where it is truly unlimited. You know, of course, if you're visibly intoxicated, I believe they can exercise the right not to serve you. Right. But Carnival has a hard and fast 15 limit uh, per day. And that I think that period runs 6 a.m. to 6 a.m., something like that. God, if I ever <laughs> hit 15 drinks in a day, I would be in trouble. I'd be one of those stories that we hear about Carnival, people going overboard. Uh, so <laughs> I hope that drink package comes with a priority search and rescue as well. Um, okay, so drink packages. And then what about like dining on board? Uh, how's the, let's just ask, what's the dining setup? I'm assuming they have some specialty restaurants and offerings on board that you could probably prepay for or, or purchase a package for. But how does that work? Correct. So you have two main dining rooms on every Carnival ship. Uh, you have the dining room for the set dining times of, I think, 5.45 and 8.30. And then you have a second dining room for your time dining, which is the flexible dining time where you can basically check in on the app and you can show up anytime between 5.30 and I think 9 p.m. to start your meal service. Do you have to choose any time versus regular uh, traditional dining before you board or how is that decided? You typically do that when you book your cruise. You choose your dining time and if available, you can change it throughout uh, the process as you're waiting for your cruise. You can make changes if you'd like. Anything else you've missed, Jonathan, in terms of like having to pre-book? Like, I, you know, I think about the water slides on a Disney cruise. I know Carnival is going to have a lot more activities up on that top deck, but are there things that you would prepay to get special access to from an activity standpoint on board the ship? To my knowledge, no, because I think the only premium activities are... Oh, uh, actually, the Carnival Panorama, I believe, is the only ship in its class that has a Sky Zone trampoline park on board. <gasps> Ooh, that looks, that sounds fun. So that is something that is a an upcharge experience, but you can you can pre-book that in advance, or you can book that once you get on the ship, and you can reserve a time. All right. Well, you make it through the uh, morass that is boarding at Port Long Beach, or perhaps that is just a problem for Carnival in general. People should feel free to be screaming at their radios and writing into us if I'm getting <laughs> this all wrong. If you are a huge Carnival enthusiast, we want to hear from you because we do love to hear from folks who like to sail other cruise lines. So uh, feel free to send those emails dclduo at gmail.com. But you get on board. What's the, you know, what's the panorama like in terms of, you know, the experience for Disney as you board into a grand atrium, they call your name, lots of theming. What's it like getting on board the Carnival Panorama? So the Carnival Panorama was a, a unique boarding process compared to the other Carnival ships and of course, Disney. So when we boarded, we actually were on, I believe it was deck five. We were led over, you know, across from the, the terminal building to the ship. Via the gangway, but then they use the uh, the walkway on out on the outside of deck five to kind of lead you in. And we ended up uh, when we boarded, it was right in front of the main lounge where they had a lot of the shows. So it was kind of it was kind of unique because you didn't walk into a grand atrium. You didn't even walk into an atrium of any kind. You kind of walked to uh, it, you entered on the forward of the ship, and right there was a lounge. It's kind of a unique process. And I wonder, I almost wonder if the, the ship was kind of purpose built for that to, you know, to make the boarding process a little easier because it's a set pathway rather than being, you know, having to, I guess, 
add more to the terminal building, perhaps. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of room did you book on board, Jonathan? We had booked a uh, spa category room, which was a higher deck room. I think we were on deck 10 or deck 11. So the room was a little bit differently decorated than the other rooms on board. We had upgraded Elemis uh, toiletries in the shower. So mm -hmm. we had uh, shampoo and body wash that were Elemis brand uh, versus whatever brand they use in the other state rooms. And the other thing, and I know, Brian, I think I had teased you with this, uh, <laughs> was that the, uh, the, spa act the spa room actually comes with access cruise long to the thermal suites, oh. which is very similar to the rainforest room on Disney ships. And are you positioned close to the spa? So it's like easy to get to the thermal suites or are the ship, those spa rooms just spread throughout the ship. Nope. They are right close to the spa. You can either like where our room is situated. I think our room was the last room on the corridor. So we could walk around the corner and walk down a ramp into the spa, or you could access the spa from the elevators, which were uh, not too far in the other direction from our state room. Nice. So after you get on board, is your stateroom ready pretty close in time? Or is it like Disney where you have to wait until, you know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon before staterooms are ready? By the time we got on board and got lunch, our stateroom was ready. So it was mm -hmm. it was very much we w we just took our you know book bags into the dining area with us. I, I can't remember. I think we had just eaten on the pool deck that morning or of embarkation. I don't think we went to a dining room to sit down. No. Well, yeah, and I was going to ask, what are your options once you get on board for food? Obviously, on Disney Cruise Line, you've got like a sit-down lunch or cabanas. Similar on Carnival or what, what's what's available? So you have all the pool deck food, which on Carnival ships is typically a burger place, which is Guy Fieri's. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I think it's Guy, Guy's Burger Joint is what it's called. So, yeah. you know, it has that, uh, that Guy Fieri flair decorated with lic license plates and car uh, memorabilia <laughs> and stuff. Then you have a cantina where there's tacos, burritos, taco salads and such. You have the buffet, of course, the Lido Market. They call it Lido Marketplace on Carnival. So you could eat there. And I do not know if there was a sit-down restaurant if you know, or rather, um, you know, one of the main dining rooms was available. I'm not sure of that. And what's the what's the crowd like on board this sailing in terms of, you know, demographics, lots of families, young couples like what what was the crowd like? It was a nice mixture, actually. All ages. I mean, uh, there weren't too many young kids, but there were kids, there were teenagers, there were families. Carnival seems to get a lot of big groups that travel together. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people will book a group of 10, 15, 20 staterooms. Oh, wow. What kinds of things can you get up to on board? And perhaps let me caveat the question with, you know, what's the differences between a Carnival cruise and a Disney cruise line from an activity standpoint? Obviously, they're both going to have bars, spas, you know, that sort of stuff. But what, what sets Carnival apart from Disney in terms of the onboard amenities and things you can get up to? <clears throat> One of the biggest things that separates Carnival from Disney, of course, you know, the, the level of production on the shows and, and the fact that, you know, whenever you go see one of their shows that they advertise as kind of their signature entertainment, it's more of in a lounge setting. It's not in a, a theater with stadium style seating like the Walt mm -hmm. Disney Theater offers. You know, it's very much a lounge setting. So you've got a lot of just basic chairs. And then you've got, a, at least on the Carnival Panorama, the lounge was two floors, kind of like Luna on the Wish. So you had seating on both floors. And along the, uh, along the sides of the lounge, you had more of your uh, theater style seating. The rest of the lounge was just chairs, kind of arranged in, in very even uniform rows. Oh, interesting. Not like tables and chairs like a jazz club or anything like that. Right, right. Interesting. Just, just rows and rows of chairs. Interesting. interesting. 
as far as other entertainment. So you've got a club that's almost always featuring a comedian. There's a piano bar, which is popular in the evenings. It's only open, I think, starting at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., something like that. And they usually run to about 11 a.m., 12 a.m. You've got some of the ships have a club, like a dance club that you can go to. Now, up on the pool deck, as far as activities, you've got every ship is different. So, I mean, you've got your select, you know, you've got your water slides, your your uh, wet play areas, your pools. Um, you've got some adult exclusive areas and pools up on the, I guess, the sports deck is, I believe it's called sports and spa deck on mm-hmm. Carnival. You've got your mini golf course. You've got table tennis. You've got cornhole games. You've got foosball. But at least on the Carnival Panorama, there were two activities. There was uh, a ropes course. Oh, cool. Which is free to participate. I, I thought it might be one of those things that, that's an upcharge, but it wasn't. It was free to participate. And then there's, it's called Sky Ride. It's basically like an elevated bike that goes uh, around, uh, you know, completes the circuit of the ship. And you can look over, you're kind of, it's like, it's a pedal bike on an elevated track. Oh, that's fun. Are you strapped in, I, I suppose? Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, it might explain some of the news articles we've seen. Right. <laughs> and is that is that one an extra cost? Uh, no, that one was included was, as well. Oh, wow. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah, I think the only premium activity that cost anything was the trampoline park that I mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. It, but what was the line like for that kind of stuff? Was it a long wait to get on those things or were they pretty easy? On sea days is a little busier um, on port days, you know, much like the uh, the, the pool deck entertainment uh, options on Disney cruises. You know, your your sea days are going to be busier. Your port days are going to be less busy. The other question I have for you on the pool deck side of things, Jonathan. So I, I've seen the videos of a carnival pool deck with the uh, cannonball competitions, lots of party time vibes. <laughs> but I don't know if those are coming off the shorter cruises, you know, out of you know places like Miami, Port Canaveral, that sort of thing. How was the pool deck on this sailing? Was it approachable? You know, were there quiet spots where you could find chairs or was it super crowded, super party yeah. time? Like what give was us it like? A, give us a vibe check. A vibe check. It was actually very calm, very uh, organized. It was it was not a party atmosphere. It's it's hard to tell because the pool deck is always busy because there's so much going on. Of course, you've mm-hmm. got your pool deck food. You've got multiple bars and areas that you can explore. That's where the the buffet and Lido marketplace is. So it's it's always busy. But yeah, it wasn't really a, a party atmosphere. It didn't feel like you know like a just a, a boat full of alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Um, what about inside type activities? We've talked about some of the nighttime activities, but I'm wondering about you know what folks are getting up to during the day. Is there, I don't know, a movie theater? Is there a trivia going on? What kinds of things can you get up to, particularly on sea days? Because obviously on port days, pe- most people are getting off the ship in the Mexican Riviera. There's there's trivia const, pretty much constantly happening somewhere on the ship. There's sometimes there's competition games. There's scavenger hunts. There is no movie theater, at least on 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 the Carnival Panorama. I, it's not something that's common on every ship. I believe mm-hmm. a, a very small percentage of the of the fleet have movie theaters that show first run movies. Carnival tends to do pool deck movie nights where right. you know you'll you'll go up in the pool deck and they'll show a recent blockbuster film or a classic film that everybody can enjoy uh, and they do offer free popcorn so oh well they have a one up on disney on the free popcorn there's shopping presentations there's bingo on board there's a casino of course that is a a big thing on on most lines other than disney is the casino so 
how big or prominent is the casino? And, you know, is it going all day? Is it really only a nighttime activity? And what kinds of things do they have in their casino? Is it, you Uh know, majority slot machines, majority table games? Sort of what does it look like? So the casino is typically open on sea days from pretty early until I think 2 or 3 Uh, a.m. On port days, it is not open while you're in port, just -hmm. like the shops on board, not open while you're in port. As far as the, the the amount of games, it's it's a healthy mixture. I would say it leans. It definitely leans more heavily towards slots. I would say probably eighty twenty mm-hmm. slot machines versus table games. You've got tournaments that go on in the casino. Got uh, you've got some other games of skill that aren't just you know, hitting the button on the slot machine. You know, there might right. be a claw game where you can try to grab a stack of cash or <laughs> you know something like that. <laughs> Believe it or not, you. I believe the casino on the panorama was on deck five and it was right through the, the main promenade. Like you, so you, you basically had to walk through the casino yeah. to get from forward to aft. Do they do smoking indoors in the casino there, though? That is yeah. the downside. Yeah. yeah, you are allowed to smoke in the casino. The, the rule is supposed to be you must be actively playing at a slot machine in order to or uh, at, you know, at a machine or a table to be able to smoke. Like mm-hmm. you can't just go stand and and smoke, smoke yeah. right? That's what the the smoking areas are for. Yeah, but they, I'm guessing they're not great at enforcing. I mean, in general, that it, casinos aren't great at enforcing things like smoking, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> they want people to stay in play, right? That's, right. That's right. the whole point. Yeah. I want to ask about two kind of special populations. So one is aside from the casino. Were there dedicated like adults only spaces on board like you find on Disney Cruise Line? Let's start there and then I'll go to my second uh-huh. special population. Sure. Yeah. So Carnival offers an area called Serenity. It's usually on one of the higher decks and it consists of an adult or adults only lounge and pool area. And there's typically a bar, of course, available for for cocktails. Yeah, you you kind of have to go out of your way to get to it. So it's it's very secluded. It's it, honestly Serenity reminds me a lot of how the cove area is on the Disney Wish because it's so far out of the way. Like it's you have to purposely go to that area. You're not gonna mm-hmm. have a lot of kids wandering through like you do on the classic ships. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But is it a bigger size than <laughs> what we found mm. on the Wish? Uh yeah, I think it's <laughs> I think it's fair to say it's a lot bigger. Uh, they had two circular hot tubs and a pool uh, in that area. Do they have a kids club on board? And do they have any sort of open house where you might have gone to check it out and see what it's like? So they do have multiple kids clubs on board, just like Disney. It's organized by age groups. So you've got your, or no, I think it's three to nine, a, a 10 to 12, and then 12 and up, I believe is how they mm-hmm. They organize and it's three separate spaces. So, you know, much like Oceaneers, Club Lab and Vibe and Edge on, on Disney ships. Yeah. And did you get a chance to peek inside? Not really, because I didn't notice an open house like I did with Disney through the app. So I'm not I have no idea what those spaces include. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Spoiler, Interesting. Jonathan doesn't have children. So <laughs> so what ports did you stop at on this cruise, Jonathan? And did you do any carnival port excursions? We did. We so our ports were uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, and Cabo San Lucas, which I know is a DCL, DCL duo favorite. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> How are the shore excursion offerings for those ports from Carnival? They were all very. Uh, I mean, there was a range of activities. You know, everything from if you wanted to be really active and do hiking, biking. Uh, if you wanted to you know, like a a higher adventure, like an ATV tour. You know, it. it 
definitely ran the uh, the spectrum of activities and then you know plenty of activities for uh, exposure to local culture through food or drink or anything like that and then you, you know you you have your other excursions uh, you have catamaran sails and whale watching and parasailing and, and you know other other uh, higher energy activities as well so it, it definitely ran the, the spectrum of, of offerings and how is it in terms of pricing? DCL's shore excursions can be pretty expensive. And I'm wondering if uh, Carnival is just on par, that that's one of the sort of the quote unquote hidden costs you might find on board or were they a little less expensive? I believe they were quite reasonably priced. I, at Carnival's, uh, Carnival actually states if you find a lower price from a, a, diff- a provider, they will match it. Oh. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. incredible. That's, I mean... Disney Shore Excursions would be out of business if they did that. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, wow. We did we did two excursions. We did whale watching in Puerto Vallarta and salsa and salsa in Mazatlan. And oh, I, nice. I, I believe the whale watching was 129 per person. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And the salsa was maybe 89 per person. Like, it sounds pretty on par with what our salsa and salsa um, excursion was, which was in Cabo, not in Mazatlan. But mm-hmm. I, it sounds like your salsa and salsa excursion was really like the same model as what our salsa and salsa excursion, where you made salsa, you danced a little salsa, they give you some chiquitos and uh, lots of margaritas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly the same. I, I, would, I would venture to say it's probably the same tour operator that does both because... I mean, Mazatlan and Cabo are not that far apart. Yeah. So I will say I'm looking at the Disney Cruise Line website and Jonathan did get a deal because the salsa and salsa tour that we did in Cabo was $109 a person and $79 oh. for a child. So $89, that's 40 bucks for a couple. So yeah, that's a little less expensive. So there you go. If Disney Cruise Line had to honor the short excursion prices of other cruise lines, then uh, we would have saved $40 on our short excursion. You know, one of the things we love to talk about on this show, besides Disney Cruise Line, is Adventures by Disney or ABD. And our good friends and show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel have an amazing promotion going on right now. If you've been thinking about doing an Adventures by Disney trip, now is the time to take a look. So for any trips booked through My Path Unwinding, traveling after October 1st of 2023, they are giving you some exclusive rates on Adventures by Disney. And I mean exclusive to My Path Unwinding travel. So they've got some discounts on Adventures by Disney. They're also giving out a backpack to each family. You can check that out in their Adventures by Disney and National Geographic Expeditions Facebook group. It's been very popular. It's an Adventures by Disney backpack that they are able to give out, one per family. And we should say, all of this is in addition to any promotional rates that Adventures by Disney is offering. You can stack all of this stuff, but you'll get all of these great extras along with the My Path Unwinding expertise in Adventures by Disney because they've taken quite a few of them. So if you are interested in exploring Adventures by Disney, finding out what these discounts are like, just exploring the opportunity to take an Adventures by Disney trip, then head over to My Path unwinding.com slash DCL duo. So they know we sent you their way and let them know you're interested in adventures by Disney trip and they will help you out. We love the folks over at my path unwinding travel. Thank you so, so much for sponsoring this show. Now back to our episode. I want to ask you one question that I, I already know the answer because I saw your video on Facebook, but tell us about the whale watching that you did. It, it, I'll say it looked like you got a pretty incredible view. 
yeah. So the the short excursion was called Whale Watching Up Close. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be on, you know, a smaller boat, you know, something with, with higher, you know, like just a higher um, platform to stand on. No, mm-hmm. this, this boat was basically a motorboat with uh, a steel motorboat that you would find, you know, on a lake somewhere. And it had these inflatable sides to, you know, that, that, you know, adjusted the height so that when you were in the, when you were in the boat, you were basically no more than a foot from the surface of the ocean. Yeah. It was exactly as advertised and kind of, kind of scary at first, if I'm being perfectly (laughs) honest, you know, they were, they were going through the ocean at a pretty fast rate and it felt, (laughs) it felt uncomfortable at first, but then you get used to it because just, just being that close to the surface of the water, I think, you you really get a better sense of the speed that you're going. Oh yeah, yeah. And you got some amazing you got some amazing video of whales. I mean, that were I I think they were humpback whales, am I right? That's usually mm-hmm. what you see in Mexico, um in the at least in the Mexican Riviera, these gray humpback whales. Mm-hmm. But you guys had a couple that were really quite close. Tell us about that. Yeah, they were they were surprisingly active. Our our guides for the excursion had no idea that we were going to see as much action as we did because it is it at the time that we went it was kind of towards the end of birthing season for the humpbacks so they were getting ready to uh, migrate back uh, up north a little bit but what we happened to uh, come upon a mother and her child and their i can't remember the term they called it but it more like an escort basically to protect them to protect to protect the mother and child but it is not the sire of the child it's oh, just wow. yeah it's just like somebody else from their pod another mm-hmm. whale in their pod oh cool well that's the cool thing about whales right they have these pods that they travel with that aren't necessarily familiarly related to them they can be they can be aunts and uncles and things like that but like they travel in these groups i know this because this is how orcas travel in the pacific northwest as well but like it's that's just so cool yeah i you're you got some great video like i said um we'll have to share it uh yeah with when we promote this show we'll have to share (laughs) it out because i thought it was really really fantastic but you got you got lucky for sure yeah the the baby was definitely showing off because he was you know he was learning uh the behaviors you know the Mm -hmm. he was learning the breach behaviors he was learning all of that stuff you know uh, mom was teaching him and letting him. So I, he was kind of at that point where, you know, he's like, I've got this, mom. <laughs> <laughs> he's showing off. I'm going to show off now. Yep. <laughs> what have we missed here, Jonathan? I, I'm I'm going to have some specific questions around some comparisons here around like food and entertainment and things mm-hmm. like that. But in terms of the ship, the shore excursion, the activities on board, have we hit the big differences in your mind or is there anything we're missing? I think the one thing that we didn't really talk about is the amount of premium restaurants on board Carnival and the amount mm-hmm. of options that you have. So, you know, on Disney ships, you've got Palo uh, on and, and Palo only on the, the Magic class. Then you've got Palo and Remy or Palo and Enchante. But Carnival has a, a much broader selection. So the Panorama, for example, had Teppanyaki Place, a steakhouse. They have an Italian restaurant. They have, uh, it's called Gigi Asian Kitchen. They had a seafood shack, a sushi place, 
and a chef's table. Oh, nice. So quite a few options available for anywhere from $18 at the Italian restaurant and Gigi up to, I think, 48 for the steakhouse. And I think the teppanyaki was somewhere in between at about $25 a person. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what the, what the chef's table was, what that cost was, because you expect to be a fine dining meal. Right. I would say that was, uh, you know, probably 125 to 150 mm-hmm. which is still i mean better than you're gonna get on land you know you're giving up your main dining but what did you guys do as far as dining went on the ship did you choose to you know eat main dining and and if so did you do the anytime or the set dining schedules and then what if any of the specialty dining did you do sure so we did do the 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 your time dining so we had a lot more flexibility and when we chose to sat down of course the you know the downside to that is you're never in the same section right. you know you you don't have the same serving team like you would on Disney now I've never done a set dining time with carnival so I don't know if you still have the same table assignment every night if you're in the the the, the you know the, uh, the the set dining times I am not sure we're doing a cruise in July on carnival where we're taking our nephews and we're doing the the set dining time we're not doing the mm-hmm. your time so um, I can I can let you know after we'll that have to report back after <laughs> That. And then, so then one night we did choose. So um, it was we cruised with my wife and I, of course, and then we cruised with her parents. They came along with us. Oh, nice! And it was her dad's seventieth birthday while we were on board. So we ate at the Italian restaurant, which is called C- uh, Cucina del Capitano on on Carnival, at least on the Carnival Panorama. That was the name of it, and it was really good. It was a really good meal experience. I had probably some of the best pasta in my entire life. Wow! Uh, on that ship, it was a it was a pesto with uh, I can't remember everything that was in it. There were I think there was I'm at a loss for what was in it. If I'm being <laughs> perfectly honest, uh, okay, there were shrimp, green beans, uh, in a pesto cream sauce, and what what was unique about the carnival ship is I, I every single carnival ship's Italian restaurant has. A, a unique dish that's only available on that ship at that restaurant. And oh, it's nice. typically, uh, it's a dish that typically is created in honor of the first captain of that ship. Oh, cool. And and the vast majority of Carnival's captains come from Italy. So that's why every ship has an Italian restaurant. <laughs> And almost every you know, every uh, first captain has a dish named after them or, or created in their honor. That's awesome. Did it, did everybody enjoy the the food that they had gotten? I know your wife is a bit of a picky eater, right? She and is. So I, I'm curious as to how she does with the food on Carnival. I imagine they've got you know simple food like they do for you know on the kids menu on Disney. I'm sure they've uh-huh. got some simple food. When I say simple food, I mean not exotic or spicy or you know not for the uh for the non-adventurous eater (laughs) let me put it that way (laughs) so every at least in the main dining room every night they have pretty accessible dining options you know entree options they have typically two soups two hot soups sometimes they'll have a cold soup they have your salads but then uh they have a shrimp cocktail and you kind of have shrimp, shrimp cocktail every night you have one or two hot soups every night but they kind of rotate through uh, and then mm-hmm. you've got a special couple special appetizers that are only available that night and then occasionally they'll have like what they call a rare find where you know that's going to be something like escargot or mm-hmm. uh, alligator is something they have one night. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
they have you know they have some you know some more adventurous palette options the mains are typically themed to that night so often there was like say american menu night or almost you know she found something pretty much every night that she would have you know that she enjoyed actually the the night that we decided to eat at the italian restaurant was the one night where she was like i don't know if there's anything on this menu so let's go for the italian restaurant so Mm -hmm. I, i will say the one thing about carnival's main dining room that is different than disney is they have upcharge entrees on the menu every single night so interesting like some nights where it's basically you're ordering food from the steakhouse and it's you know there's surf and turf there's filet maybe like a new york strip you know that's anywhere i think that's twenty dollars for an upcharge entree oh wow do they have like a just a i don't know a strip steak or a hanger steak or some some you know base level steak on the menu every night and then it's just if you're getting a finer cut or or is it really if you want steak you're going to be stuck with that upcharge no uh so much like disney every night there's you know there's the uh the lighter appetite or the you know the the less seasoned foods they always have like a fish <laughs> a, a grilled chicken a breast plain and, steak and, a grilled chicken breast right and a kind of plainer fish yeah typically it be salmon yeah. or a or a cod or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, typically served with like a baked potato or rice and and steamed vegetables. So right. yeah, that's yeah. always op- that's always an option as well. I know this is a bonus episode, but I feel remiss in not doing a bit of I can't call it rapid fire because Sam has that trademarked. Apparently, <laughs> I owe her royalties if I use it in the form of Topo Chico. But <laughs> just kind of a quick takes here on Carnival Cruise Line. So just across a couple of, of categories, now that you've experienced the panorama as compared to, you know, some of your Disney Cruise Line experience, or your, your pretty prolific Disney Cruise Line experience. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of categories and you tell me who wins, Jonathan. So let's go with cruise booking experience. Disney is definitely more user-friendly for sure. Wow. Right. Even onboard activities and stuff. I feel like that's just a pain in the butt with Disney. Well, I asked booking. I didn't ask activity. Oh, okay. Booking. Okay. Never mind. This is the second question then. That's where I'm headed, which is the pre-cruise booking experience in terms of the activities on board and port arrival and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So because you can book your activities pretty much the moment that you put your deposit down on the cruise, I have to give that advantage to Carnival. Um, yeah. you're, not, you're not trying to beat out 2,000 families. <laughs> <laughs> well, and an outdated Sorry. IT infrastructure, Sorry, right? kids. I'm going to that royalty. Screw you. <laughs> uh, let's ask about... Well, I think I know the answer to this one off the bat, just based on our discussion up front. Boarding process. Disney is much smoother. There you go. All right. All right. The spaces on board the ship. Cleanliness, you know, I'll say theming, you know, recognizing carnivals, obviously not going to have like a heavy Disney theming or anything like that. But who wins in terms of just the spaces on the ship? I definitely think Disney has the advantage because, you know, you've got that Disney magic at every every Everything is purposefully thought out. Everything is purposefully executed on a Disney ship. Everything has a story. Got it. What about onboard amenities? So as you think about spa, things like that, you know, who who wins there? I would say that's a tie. So unless you really want a casino on board, you're probably going to find something fun to do regardless of which ship you're sailing is essentially how I interpret that. Yeah, correct. Okay. Onboard casino, a must have or a must lose? 
<laughs> I would say, I mean, for me, it's definitely a must lose. I am not a gambler. I mean, do I do I occasionally go and throw some money in a slot machine and lose it all? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, we forgot to ask about the rainforest room equivalent on Carnival. So let me ask rainforest room or the spa area that you experience in Carnival? I would say that's probably a tie. I, I think the rainforest room and the, the the thermal suite on board the Carnival ship is very similar in, in quality and offering. How packed was the thermal suite on the Carnival versus the Disney rainforest room? Surprisingly, it wasn't that bad. There was very rarely a time where we couldn't get a heated lounger or find room in the hot tub or find one of the, the you know, the saunas to go into that or, or one of, you know, uh, it seemed like the showers, the aromatherapy showers were almost always available too. entertainment, onboard entertainment, who wins? As much as I enjoyed the shows on Carnival Panorama, including the Broadway one, there's nothing like a show on Disney. If you layer, let me ask you this, if you layer in the um, non-stage entertainment that's available, so thinking about like the piano bar, things like that. Yeah. do, Do you think that adds a little edge to Carnival at all? The piano bar typically had two shows a night and one was more all ages and one was 18 plus. So... You know, if you wanted a little bit more adult oriented antics from your piano player, you know, the the 11 or the 10 p.m. show was definitely a a good time. I mean, it definitely was a lot more unbuttoned collar, (laughs) kind of uh, a little more body of an experience. Stateroom, Disney Cruise Line or Carnival? How do they compare? Disney Cruise Line staterooms tend to be even the even this, you know, even the smaller staterooms tend to be larger on Disney Cruise Line. I will say that Carnival still has the elevated platform bed so you can still uh, put your suitcases underneath the bed. Um, That is not that's not a Disney only innovation, at least at Mm. at this point in in cruises. Closet space is about the same as the classic ships. Drawer space, definitely nowhere near as many drawers available on, at least on the panorama, as there were on Disney ships. So there were times where we had to kind of keep our unpacked clothes just in open sight. You know, it wasn't behind a drawer. Mm. It was just kind of on a shelf. All right. The tough one, food. Uh, Who's winning in terms of the, let's start with the main dining offering. I think the quality on Disney is is better. I, I think Carnival has a bigger selection of entrees every night uh, as far as in the main dining, but the, the quality on Disney is better. Specialty dining. I mean, that, this one's tough because Carnival has more options mm-hmm. than Disney, but I'm just curious, you know, who's going to win? Palo Brunch or Carnival Cruise? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could pretty much throw Palo Brunch against everything on Carnival and Palo Brunch would still win. All right. The big category here service and crew interaction who's going to win dcl or ccl overall disney definitely has better crew interaction now i i have had no issues finding some incredible staff on carnival ships i mean we had a great stateroom host there was i i I would find myself preferring to go to one particular bar location because of of a bartender that was on that ship in that bar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone has their favorite bartender, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, sometimes you find them day one. Sometimes it takes a little longer. That's right. My last question then, Jonathan, for you. I'm not going to ask who wins on price because that's an easy answer. Carnival wins. Every other cruise line wins. I want to know about value. Value for the dollar because Carnival is 
a much lower cost option. I think to your point, some of that gets eroded as you do all of the add-ins. But you know, it's possible to get on a Carnival Cruise for much, much less than a Disney Cruise as long as you don't want to spend any additional money. But I'm curious just the value for what you paid. Do you think that Carnival wins in terms of value for dollar paid or Disney? I think this is this is a difficult question to answer because really it's all about your expectations mm-hmm. uh, for each cruise line. Going on Carnival, you you know, you know, with a with a with a minimal amount of research, you know that almost everything is considered an upcharge. You know, so yeah, your your cruise ticket is going to be relatively low in cost, but it's going to be the extras on board that really can help you. You know, make you rack up the charges. Or if onboard spending isn't your thing, if you're happy with main dining and and you don't want to go anywhere else you know you don't want to eat at premium restaurants you don't drink a lot i mean the value is definitely there in carnival's favor i would say that if you want the least confusing cruise experience as far as what's included and what isn't disney cruise line definitely has the you know the better setup with with that respect the one thing i notice about disney as well is you can see the value. You you can see what you pay in the presentation of the ship and everything mm-hmm. like that. You know, you don't see the maintenance workers constantly working on stuff on the carnival ships. You know, it's more like if if something is to the point where it needs to be fixed because it's not functional, that's when maintenance gets deployed more frequently. You know, they're not painting the ship in port. They're not, you know, coming and spraying the windows every single day or multiple times a day. You you definitely see how you know the Disney is putting the money that they're charging back into the appearance of the ship. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating to me. So we were just in Port Canaveral. We were parked next to I forget which one it was, the Carnival Freedom that had the fire in its smokestack, and it was still sitting there with its non whale tail smokestack. And somebody made the comment to me, you know, the original fire was because they had soot build up in the smokestack. And then you're staring at the existing smokestack and it's covered in soot. So you're just, you you think they would at least clean it, right? I mean, much less, for me, it was like, if one of the funnels on Disney Cruise Line was inoperable, uh, they would immediately, I would think, want to correct that because it's Mm -hmm. so iconic to the ship, like the whale tail funnel on a Carnival Cruise Line. So it's baffling to me that months and months later, that ship just hasn't gone in to have its funnel replaced and perhaps perhaps cleaned. Uh, I'll just say that. <laughs> anyway. But I, I, think, I think it's great, though, Jonathan, that you are able to share with us and compare and contrast the value because I think there really is value on both, if I may say, I think that I think that's what you've really expressed is it's it's more about your expectations than it is about mm-hmm. one having you know higher value or more value than the other. You have you know what you're spending with Disney, but you also know what you're getting with Disney, right? And you know uh-huh. what you're spending with Carnival, and you know what you're getting, right? So you you're getting more for more, you're getting less for less, and that's okay. Everybody's got to make the calculus of what works for them and how they want to spend their precious vacation dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that I'm beating up on Carnival Cruise Line. It does does have a bit of reputation uh, <laughs> for some quarters of the cruising community. But look, folks like Paul Thornton, he loves sailing on Carnival Cruise Line. And we've seen many photos of him on Carnival and Royal and, and others. Uh, and maybe as we wrap up the show, what I will just say is I'll borrow a line from one of our other favorite cruise influencers out there, Emma Cruises, and uh, just say, There's a cruise line out there for everyone, but not every cruise line is for everyone. So just 
you know, we love to do these shows to let you know what, what you can experience on board other cruise lines. You might give them a try. You could sail Carnival four times in a year for the price that it costs to sail Disney once or twice, depending on your room category. So, Jonathan, let me just say thank you so much for sharing your experience with the Carnival Panorama. And uh, I know you've got your own podcast out there that has, uh, uh, I know it took a little hiatus, but it started back up. You want to let folks know about that and where they can find you? And your TikTok, which you're on fire on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I gotta take some. I gotta take some influencer. You gotta take mentorship. some TikTok lessons. Yeah, I've been posting TikToks. I'm not blowing up. I'm not blowing up. I don't know what it is. If it's the content that's blowing up or the hashtags that I'm using, but yeah, I'm I'm consistently getting. You know, in a brand new TikTok, I'm consistently getting well over 500 views uh, on every video that I post. So I don't know what the secret is. I wish I could tell you. I'm just. <laughs> Jonathan's got it. Whatever it is, Jonathan's got it. Uh, but my but my podcast is called Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. So we are a podcast that discusses both Star Trek and Star Wars on the same show. My my co-host okay Chris. Like both. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Don't let the movie fanboys tell you otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, my co-host Chris and I went to college together. He was he's been a Trekkie for his entire life, ever since he was five or six. And I've been a casual Star Trek fan and and you know, I keep up with all the stuff, but as far as the Star Wars side of things, Chris and I are the, the exact opposite. I'm the one that's totally immersed in Star Wars. I know the lore, I know the background stuff, I know the Easter eggs, and we just complement each other so very well in our discussions. I, I think it's you know, it's it's a fun podcast. It's it's a it's just a little side project that I enjoy. We're not I mean, we're we're trying to get back into releasing bi weekly episodes, but yeah, there were there was a time where we were maybe releasing one episode a month uh, just because of av- availability and and subject material. But I mean, with all of the Star Wars and Star Trek content that we've got coming this year, there's you've there's got plenty. a ton. Yeah, you've <laughs> got a ton to talk about. And you know, speaking of that, after the show, uh, we gotta. I want to ask you about Mandalorian. Brian and I are way behind. We haven't watched the season, but I, I've got a. I got to hear if it's worth it. So, well, Jonathan, thank you as always for joining us on the show. Love having you on. I'm sure you will be back again soon. I guess we didn't ask what's next. Uh, Anything booked? Sure. So the next thing that we have booked is Carnival Celebration, which is their newest ship, at least until their New York ship deploys. Until uh, the next one. Uh, right, right. Until the next one. Right. It's it's their it's their newest ship as of right now. So we have that in late July. And after that, we just booked the DVC exclusive charter to Lighthouse Point uh, in early June of 2024. Right. So, so you'll be on with us. Yes, absolutely. And and we can try this meeting in person thing again. <laughs> yeah, we have a re, we need have a do over on that. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you once again for coming on the show, sharing your experience with the Carnival Panorama. We just really, really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me again. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find 
find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. <laughs>